Growing up in the country, I used to find myself at a pond on our property regularly. I would go out and just wander. And uh, many days I ended up on the shores of this pond. And if I ended up on the shores of this pond, I usually would grab a rock and start skipping it. And then I'd grab another rock or I'd find bigger ones and I'd throw them in and I'd watch the splash and hear the plop. But inevitably, I'd also watch the ripples. I'd see it go in and there'd be a small circle around it and a big splash and it would just travel outward, often affecting the entire pond to the shore, watching it go grow wider and wider from its original focal point. You know, our lives have a ripple effect. Whether we know it or not, whether we want to admit it or not, we don't live in a vacuum. So the choices we make ripple and influence those around us, whether for good or for bad. And we don't always have a choice on how our actions and attitudes affect others, but we certainly have a choice regarding the type of ripple we send out, regarding the type of attitude we convey. And often the greatest ripple effect a life can produce is simply by following God wholeheartedly. This morning we're going to continue looking at a man who followed God wholeheartedly. King Josiah uh, had his life ripple throughout Jerusalem, Judah, even into Israel. And last week as we began our look into the overachiever King Josiah, we realized he was one of the greatest kings in Judah's history. He came to the throne at the age of eight, and we're told that that, uh, what set Josiah apart then and now is that he had a heart for God like his ancestor David. And we're told that by 16, he was seeking and pursuing the Lord, and by 20, he was purging Judah of all its idols, and by 26, he was restoring the temple, all due to his pursuit of our Lord. And during that temple repair, if you remember from last week, the book of the law was found. And the book of the law was read to Josiah, and it broke Josiah's heart because he knew, he knew Judah was guilty under the law. But Josiah's life was drawn even closer to the Lord, and he led his people into a covenant to follow God with all their heart. So this week, we're going to continue looking at Josiah's life, we're going to continue looking at Josiah's heart for God as we seek to cultivate in our own lives that same heart for God that pursues Christ. We can learn some more valuable lessons from Josiah, namely that the ripple effect of following the Lord with all your heart can reach many. Now Josiah, as we talked about last week, was, was not content with just purging the land of idolatry, nor was he content with simply repairing the temple Josiah had been convicted that when he heard the word of the Lord because they were not keeping all that God had commanded. So Josiah, in the story this week, reinstates the Passover. And as we look into the story, we're going to see that that takes a lot of planning, takes a lot of preparation. And we see first that Josiah prepares the priests for the Passover. So let's get right into 2 Chronicles chapter 35 this morning. Josiah kept a Passover to the Lord in Jerusalem, and they slaughtered the Passover lamb on the 14th day of the first month. He appointed the priests to the offices and encouraged them in the service of the house 
of the Lord. And he said to the Levites who taught all Israel and who were holy to the Lord, put the holy ark in the house that Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, built. You need not carry it on your shoulders. Now serve the Lord your God and his people Israel. Prepare yourselves according to your father's houses by your divisions, as prescribed in the right of David, king of Israel, and the document of Solomon, his son. And stand in the holy place according to the groupings of the father's houses of your brothers, the lay people, and according to the division of the Levites by the father's household. And slaughter the Passover lamb, and consecrate yourselves, and prepare for your brothers to do according to the word of the Lord by Moses. Now no doubt when Josiah heard the book of the law, Moses read to him, he did not have the advantage of numbered chapters. But when he would have heard the passages like Exodus 12, Numbers 9, and Deuteronomy 16, they would have left a huge impression on him. Obviously, they left a huge impression on him. He would have heard or been reminded of how Israel had been slaves in Egypt for 450 years. Now, Pharaoh had hardened his heart when Moses went in and asked that he let the people go and that he would not let them go. That it took plagues and one final plague on a fateful night when all of the firstborn livestock and the firstborn sons of Egypt were killed by the angel of death, but all of Israel's firstborn were spared simply because they had the blood of a lamb smeared on their doorpost. This was the first Passover. This was the first time the Passover was, was clearly laid out for all of the future Israelites to, to practice and remember God's deliverance through a lamb and God's deliverance out of slavery. At the Passover, each family was to have a meal consisting of a roasted lamb that was to be without imperfections, bitter herbs, and unleavened bread. They were to be dressed and ready to travel with sandals on their feet. It would be a meal of remembrance of God's mighty power to deliver them. It was intended to remind Israel that God was leading them out of the bitter bondage of slavery and into the promised land, into freedom. It reminded them of God's amazing power to do so. You bring up images of the Red Sea crossing of water coming from a rock. And at its center, as we mentioned earlier, was the blood of a lamb. So when Josiah heard the book of the law read, he realized that the Passover had not been celebrated or practiced in Israel for at least 75 years and perhaps up to 99 years. Not since the days of Josiah's great-grandfather Hezekiah. And being the pursuer of God's heart that he was, he decided to do something about it. He decided to reinstitute the Passover. And so in order to do so, he had to prepare the priests. So he appointed priests to their offices and then encouraged them in their service. He understood that to carry on the Passover was going to take a vast amount of preparation that it was going to, going to take a lot of organization and that efficiency would be needed to pull off the Passover in this large of a setting. So he made sure that the priest knew what they were going to do. And he empowered them to do it through the word of the Lord to make sure he, he had them hear the relevant passages from the law as to their duties. He put it into practice. He shared it with them. He put them in place and he powered them, empowered them by the word of the Lord. He then told the Levites to bring the ark back into the temple. He told them uh, that they need not carry it on their shoulders any longer. Probably a reference to 
to how they had to transport the ark. Now, we're not told why it was gone. Uh, it could have been removed during the idolatrous reigns of Manasseh uh, 55 years earlier. Um, or it could have been removed for, for the uh, re- reparation of the temple, simply so the ark didn't get something falling on it. We, we don't know, but, but he has them bring it back in. Either way, we know that the ark was a symbol of God's presence. The ark was a symbol of God's mercy. And he was bringing it back into the very center, the very focal point of Judah, the temple in Jerusalem. You know, and this is even a microcosm of Josiah's life, returning the focus to God. If you think about his life up to this point, that's all he's done. He sought the Lord at 16. He brings about changes at 20 by purging all of the idols out of Israel. And and he, he repairs the temple. And now he's reinstating the Passover. He is helping others find the Savior. A passionate pursuit of the Savior leads to to, to helping others come closer so that they don't lose sight of God and they lose sight of themselves because they're focusing on the one true God. You know, the thing that stands out about Josiah's preparation is his attention to detail. We're going to see later that the, the numbers are staggering of what they went through, but it speaks to Josiah's passion for God's word. He would have had to study the book of the law to know what the priests needed to do, to be able to, to point them where they need to go and point them into the right place, to know the details of the Passover, know what the priest's duties were. But as a person whose heart was, was so obviously for God and a love for his word, he did it. He did it. He put the work in to study God's word so that he could then help others do and fulfill their role in God, their role in worshiping God, their, their, their role. It's, it's a, a call for us as well to look at that same detail, to, to, to dig deep into God's word so that we can help others come to the focal point of who Christ is. But Josiah's attention to detail didn't just go to the priest. It extended and prepared the people for Passover as well. Verse 7. Then Josiah contributed to the lay people. As Passover offerings for all who were present, lambs and young goats from the flock to the number of 30,000 and 3,000 bulls. These were from the king's possessions, and as officials contributed willingly to the people, to the priests, and to the Levites. Hilkiah, Zechariah, and Jehiel, the chief officers of the house of God, gave to the priests for the Passover offerings 2,600 Passover lambs and 300 bulls. Conaniah also, and Shemaiah, and Nethanel, his brothers, and Hashabiah, and Jael, and Jazabad, the chiefs of the Levites, gave to the Levites for the Passover offerings 5,000 lambs and young goats and 500 bulls. Now, during the Passover, each family was to eat a lamb, all of it. They weren't to break any of the bones. They were just to roast it over the fire and eat it. Josiah apparently desired for every attendee to celebrate the Passover, and he personally makes provisions for it. He apparently didn't want to risk the people coming unprepared. He didn't want to uh, have them show up and not know what to do and not have the supplies or not have the money for the supplies. So his generosity here is staggering. He donates 30,000 lambs for the people and 3,000 bulls. The lambs were for the Passover celebration 
or young goats. It could be either a young goat or, or a young, young sheep. And the bulls were for peace offerings for the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which, which happens in conjunction with Passover. Now, I wanted some perspective on the cost of that. So I checked the market lamb prices, and I used my limited market reading ability. So I, I see Bob Williamson smile. He's probably doing the math over there in his head. He probably knows. So see Bob if you want an accurate picture of what this is. I didn't want to call Bob at midnight last night when I started thinking about this. So lambs for slaughter today cost roughly $1 per pound. Now, these lambs for slaughter would be the same as fattened lambs. They generally weigh in about 120 to 150 pounds. So just for the sake of understanding the, the money in this, let's say they all weigh 125 pounds. We know that's not true, but let's just we'll, we'll put it on the low end. $125 then per lamb at a dollar a pound, multiplied by 30,000 equals $2.75 million in today's money. Now, if each bull weighed 1,200 pounds, which is on the low side of an estimated weight for a, a young bull, a two-year-old bull, the market price for that is $1.80 per pound, which works out to be another $6.48 million. That's over $9 million in today's money given by Josiah to make this happen. Josiah is literally putting his money where his mouth is. He set up, he set it up, he commanded it, and he provided for it. And right away, we see the ripple effect. You know, generosity breeds generosity. Goodwill breeds goodwill. That's why we, we have verses like in Proverbs that says a gentle answer turns away wrath. Our actions tend to, to breed actions that reciprocate. You know, if you punch someone, more, like, more likely they're going to punch you back. If you compliment someone, there's a good chance they're going to compliment you back. That's just kind of how things work. So, so the ripple effect can have a very positive effect. Generosity here breeds generosity. So Josiah's officials kick in another 7,600 lambs and 800 bulls. Those who have a heart for God and pursue him with all their hearts will lead others to experience him. Our lives have a ripple effect. Your choices have a ripple effect. If you choose to serve God half-heartedly, that has an effect on those around you. If you choose to serve God in a, in a way that you're splitting time between God and, 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 and an idol of some sort, whatever idols are today for you, that's going to have a ripple effect to those around you. If you choose to serve God wholeheartedly and give all you can, it's going to have a ripple effect. Let's keep reading. Let's see what happens. When the service had been prepared for, the priests stood in their place and the Levites in their divisions according to the king's command, and they slaughtered the Passover lamb. And the priests threw the blood that they received from them while the Levites flayed the sacrifices. And they set aside the burnt offerings that they might distribute them according to the groupings of the fathers' houses of the lay people to offer to the Lord, as it is written in the book of Moses. And so they did with the bulls. And they roasted the Passover lamb with fire according to the rule. And they boiled the holy offerings in pots and cauldrons and pans and carried them quickly to all the lay people. And afterward, they prepared for themselves and for the priests, because the priests, the sons of, Aaron's, of Aaron, 
were offering the burnt offerings and the fat parts until night. So the Levites prepared for themselves and for the priests, the sons of Aaron. Josiah and his team of, of priests and Levites pull it off. He made the preparations. He set up the priests and the Levites, and he set up the people. He made provision to honor God through the celebration of the Passover, and so they celebrated. This was no doubt a tiresome day for the priests and the Levites, but they were organized and efficient enough and set up and ready to go. There were so many animals because, there, as we said, there needed to be one lamb per family, and the Levites jump in and help with the butchering of the animals. And then the priest handled the blood because that was the job of the priest. Only the high priest could, could sprinkle the blood. The Passover lambs had to be roasted over fire. Uh, the, the offerings had to be boiled. And then the, uh, the, the fat parts, the, the, the organs had to be burned on the altar. The priests and Levites, if they weren't organized, it would have been a mess. Think about this. We're talking about almost 40,000 lambs. And almost 4,000 bulls. This is a, a mass slaughter that turned into a mass feast, a mass celebration. It's hard for us to imagine. And, and in some ways, when we look at it, it's, it's grotesque to think about all that, that butchering. But it's a picture. It's a picture of Christ dying for us. We don't like to think about the death part. We don't like to think about all the blood. We don't like to think about how, how it might have smelled <laughs> or, or how the priest might have looked after doing all that butchering. We don't like to think about Jesus on the cross. We don't like to think about how a crown of thorns would have felt or nails. It's a picture Josiah was leading the people to focus on Christ. Even though Christ has not yet come, Josiah is leading the people to focus on Christ by focusing on God's word, by focusing on the Passover, because he knew it was significant. He might not have known it pointed to Christ. We're not told. But whether he did or not, he knew it focused on Christ you see, those who seek after God with all their heart often become the catalyst to bring others together to serve and love Jesus. And pretty soon, their whole existence simply points to Him. Verse 16. So all the service of the Lord was prepared that day to keep the Passover and to offer burnt offerings on the altar of the Lord according to the command of King Josiah. And the people of Israel who were present kept the Passover at that time and the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days. No Passover like it had been kept in Israel since the days of Samuel, the prophet. None of the kings of Israel had kept such a Passover as kept by Josiah. And the priests and Levites and all Judah and Israel who were present and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. In the 18th year of the reign of Josiah, the Passover was kept. Verse 18 really says it all for us. There had been no Passover kept in Israel like that since the days of Samuel the prophet. This celebration of the Passover was so significant that one had to go back before the time of David and Solomon 
to find the keeping of the Passover that was even comparable to what went on that day. And this Passover was remarkable for several reasons, as historians note. It was remarkable in the magnitude of its celebration, including all of Judah and Judea, even some inhabitants from the the north, from the remnant of Israel, uh, came and attended, as well as just the sheer number of animals that were, were a part. It was remarkable for its accuracy and its strict obedience to the law of Moses. It was remarkable for the way that it shined amidst the dark days of Israel, of, of Judah's history. It was a last rally towards life before Judah would soon be taken into captivity. We have to remember that this happened at the end of, of Judah's history as a nation. We have to remember that it happened in the midst of terrible apostasy and terrible idolatry. And the change was made because one man pursued God wholeheartedly. It was remarkable in how it honored the Lord and how Josiah led. It stands as a testimony of how God can use a heart that is fully his, of how God can use one life who is sold out in fully God's man or woman. As Josiah sought the Lord, he grew as a 16-year-old and he acted on faith. He pursued Christ through the removal of idols in the land and the repair of the temple. And when presented with the book of the law, he wept. His humble and contrite heart led Josiah simply to point to Christ through the Passover. And oh, how he pointed. When we look at the Passover, we cannot have more images of Christ. In leading the people to celebrate the Passover, Josiah pointed to the Messiah lamb who would one day come and be sacrificed to deliver his people from the bondage of slavery to sin. He pointed his people to the blood that was applied not to the doorpost of a door, but to the doorpost of a a man's heart, which would serve as salvation against spiritual death, marking those who are his. And like the lamb, Jesus was without blemish, He was innocent of sin, and he was innocent, obviously, of the sin for which he died. No bones were broken, and he was roasted in the fire of God's wrath. His blood was poured out as salvation for all who would be covered in it. And his salvation, available only to those who are willing to fully consume him, to fully consume. Take him in, not just the parts that are like, but to to consume him all. And he delivers his people to the promised land. So I ask you this morning, what's your ripple effect? I don't expect any of us to be Josiah, although God might choose some of us to be. I don't know. But what is your ripple effect? Are you a stone in the master's hand at the pond of life? Or are you just kind of holding on to yourself and trying to give him bits and pieces? Will you be fully consumed by him so that, that he can toss you into whatever pond he wishes to watch you ripple and affect change to those around you, to your family, your friends, your coworkers? Or are you content with the puddles of this world? It's an important question. Is your heart fully sold out to him? 
or is it divided? Whatever it is that holds you back, I encourage you to repent of it, to be revived. Let your ripple splash and make waves. No matter how big you think your stone is, God will use it. God will use it to create effect and change others' lives if we will fully sell out to Him. If we will fully follow Him with all our hearts. He gives us that reminder constantly throughout Scripture. Israel is a picture of us. And if you look at Israel's history, they constantly turned away. They had all these signs of God. They had the Red Sea. They had the water from the rock. They had uh, Moses on the mountain. They had Moses' blowing face. They, they had all this stuff, but yet they constantly turned away. And God gave the law, and the law was full of reminders. And why did we have all these reminders? Because we are prone to wander like sheep. We are prone to stray. So this morning, I ask you a question that I've, I've asked before, that Rick has asked before, that others have asked before. Where is your heart's focus? You know, just this morning as we were singing the song, Open the Blind Eyes and Unlock the Deaf Ears, I realized, you know, I realized I wasn't singing that for, for physical healing for, for anyone. I realized I was singing it to unlock my blind eyes and open my deaf ears because I constantly stray. I want to be Josiah, not in, in terms of his position, but in terms of his heart devoted to God. And I pray that that is what you want as well. I pray that you will take the steps necessary to do that as well. We're going to close this morning with our commitment to him. Revive us again. Revive us again. That's our prayer. That is what we want. We want simply for God to revive us, to stir us, to remove the distractions, to remove the idols, and to follow him with our whole hearts undivided. Let's stand together and sing.